Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. Joining us once again, our good friend Patrick Cushman. Are you bring in, Did you bring another prop this week? This is the same product. The same product, Sunny D. It's finals week, low on energy, tired, nice, ice cold, refreshing Sunny D. Get you back in the spirit and... It's working for me right now. Give me a little second kick with its nice citrus taste. All right. Well, since we're doing a uh, – they don't even – I would like to point out, folks, that Sunny D does not actually sponsor us. But uh, speaking of uh, partnerships, if you haven't already, check out Fanatics and our link. We've talked about it before, but if you need to get some Christmas shopping done, go to our Twitter, at Dispute. Click on the Fanatics link. So if you buy something, they'll kick it to our network at Unhinged. Anyway, let's get into the uh, real business here. A lot of talk about this week. White Sox made some big trades last night that just broke. Kyle, a lot going on in the NFL playoff weight race. Uh, we want to start. I want to start with this, and it's unfortunate that Marshall couldn't join us this week, because if you guys don't recall, those of you who listen every week, we had a big argument a couple weeks ago about Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield, and oh man, the pushback I got. Everyone's like, "Oh, Mitch, you're crazy." Oh, Mitch, you're capping. The point I made was I think the Browns are going to be better off without Odell Beckham Jr. And, boy, yeah, you would have think I was saying something bad about the Pope with all the hate I got for that take. But what do you know? Since Odell has left, the Browns are 5-1. and one. Baker just had his best game in his NFL career. He has 11 touchdowns and one interception and a passer rating of 112. So look who's crazy right now. All I'm saying is, and I'll say this again, Baker Mayfield without Odell Beckham. They run the ball more. It takes the pressure off him, and he's not forcing bad passes to Odell. So it's cutting down on the turnovers, resulting in more Browns wins. All of a sudden, these past two games, the weather's been nice because there was the big knock. Oh, he didn't throw any touchdown passes, Mitchell. Oh, he was, he was doing this. He never had any yards. He was playing in two monsoons against Philly and the Raiders. Now the weather's cleared up, and you can see what he can do. I like this Browns team moving forward. They are better off without Odell Beckham. Well, that's funny how you say that because last week you said they weren't even worthy on being con- on contenders and pretenders because they weren't even good enough to even be in that discussion. Suddenly there's one week, he has one good game, and mind you, it's probably one of the best games of his career, and he hasn't played that many good games. And suddenly it's, oh, you know, Baker Mayfield, oh, yeah, the Browns, I like them moving forward. So I find that pretty funny. Well, Browns, they had one good offensive performance. Okay, I agree uh, Yeah, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. Um, I would say, too, I agree with the whole OBJ thing. I think he's got an attitude. He expects the ball, and so then you kind of have to force him the ball, and it just doesn't work. He thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but he's not. He's a loaf of rye. So I agree with you. I I think OBJ is toxic, and it doesn't match his talent, to be quite honest. Um, very talented player, but it, it's just another team. It would work like if he was with Tom, a Tom Brady or Russell Wilson, it would work. And I, I don't want it to get confused. And I said this before too. I don't want this take to get confused. With, oh, Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback, and Odell's holding him back. I'm just saying Baker and his mm-hmm. limited skill set is better off without him. And you saw it in that game. He threw four touchdown passes to four different people. Just like in Oklahoma, he's better off when he's sprinkling the ball around, letting other guys get involved. That's what I'm saying. And I still, I think the Browns are good enough to win a playoff game, but I still stand by the fact that I don't think they're like Super Bowl contenders. But as of right now, they're playing better without them. 
And, uh, you know, moving forward, like, that was an impressive win against Tennessee. Who was, yeah, they so. nearly blew the lead, too. Um, but I'll cut them some slack on that, though. Yeah, They're I nice thought I thought they were going to do it. It would have been the most brown things ever. Because I, I didn't watch I didn't watch the game I just saw the scoreline and after like the first quarter and I'll, excuse me and then I saw it getting late and I was like oh it's getting close. It was a lot of garbage time. I mean they actually I mean like they came within an onside of making it really interesting because they came within a score. But like the last touchdown was scored with under a minute. Like the Browns were in full control of that game and like the the Titans as we talked about like. You need to run the ball at Derrick Henry, and when you're behind the whole game, like it's not a winning formula for them because their defense is below, I guess, average. They're kind of like middle of the pack, but uh, yeah, I th- yeah. Anyway, I thought I had to get that off my chest. It was just convenient. Marshall couldn't be here to take his medicine because he was calling. It's always convenient for him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, must be. But you know, chalk it up for another one where Mitch was right. Anyway, we'll go to the White Sox, and we'll get back into some NFL stuff later because I know you're a big White Sox fan like me. And we were making some moves last night. Uh, first big one, they traded uh, for Lance Lynn. They traded Dane Dunning uh, to the Texas Rangers along with some other prospect who's like a six-round draft pick in 2016. He was kind of a scrub. I'd never heard of him. I had never heard of the yeah. prospect uh, to be named. Anthony Lear, something along those lines. Uh, the big headliner was Dane Dunning. Well, I mean, besides Lance Lynn, they got rid of Dane Dunning. And I like Dane Dunning a lot. Uh, I thought he had a lot of promise. I mean, he had under four in his rookies here. But the White Sox are in win-now mode. And when you have a rotation that already has Dallas Keuchel, Lucas Giolito, and now you add Lance Lynn, and you have three solid starters, and then you still have Dylan Cease, who's not going anywhere, and Mike Kopech returning. Like, there's only so many spots in the rotation. Dylan's, or Dane Dunning was a luxury we could afford to give up. And quite frankly, his arm was shot near the back end of last year. So he'd be on an innings restriction along with Michael Kopech. And now you're bringing in a guy with Lance Lynn who led the major leagues two years in a row in innings pitched and batter's face. So you're getting a workhorse who's been an ace. He's won games before. I really like this move. It takes pressure off the bullpen. It takes pressure off of Kopech when he comes back because now he can kind of ease back in it. And it takes pressure off of Cease because you have three solid guys. They're not leaning so heavily on him to perform every fifth day. He's got a new pitching coach. I think he's going to have a break off here. This this has ripple effects throughout the organization. I love the move. What, what, What did you think of it? Yeah, so first, when I first saw it, and it, it was weird because it broke at like 11 o'clock or something. Yeah, like it was really late when it broke. It, um, and so I had just gotten home. I was out at the at the bar. And um, when I got home, at first I was – because I, I really liked Dane Dunning. I thought he had a, a few good starts. But um, the more you look at it, the more it makes sense because you have this young rotation where, you know, Keuchel's coming back. And the fact about Keuchel is, is he's not going to start in the majors and he's going to be on any restrictions all season. Um, And then Crochet could mix in with that rotation in the future, maybe not this upcoming year, but eventually. And so you have all these young pitchers um, and, you know, you can't rely like last year, we relied on Keuchel and Giolito. And then it gets to that third playoff game. Are you going to trust your three other starters that are, you know, young starters? You're going to need someone, and especially now that we have a 160-game season again, you're going to need someone to eat innings. And this guy is a great spot in the third spot of the rotation. Just, uh, you know, when it gets to the dog days, and, you know, you might have someone go on the 10-day IL, you know, for whatever reason. They miss a starter or something. You're going to need someone to eat innings, and Lance Lynn fits that job perfectly. So I, I, I liked it as well. You got three guys who can throw for over 200 innings this year. And that also allows 
Tony Larusa kind of gets credit for ma- revolutionizing the way bullpens are used in St. Louis, which, by the way, Lance was on that team. So I, I think he that is one thing he's good at strategy-wise, utilizing a bullpen. The White Sox have some good pieces here. There's a possibility they add Liam Hendricks, too, because they have room. But now he can kind of align the bullpen as he wants in his, like, sixth, seventh, eighth innings. Because near the last, end of last year, like, the bullpen was significantly taxed. And it was only a 60-game season. But they looked yeah. ass near the end of the year. And I also find it interesting, too. I brought this up in the article I was writing for Sports Mockery. If they have Lance Lynn last year pitching that third game, because remember, we had to trot out Dane Dunning in that do-or-die elimination game, and he only went 15 pitches. Like, if you have Lance Lynn, you're probably winning that game, and who knows what you would have done the rest of the year. So, I mean, he's a, I like Dane Dunning. I think he's going to be a great major league pitcher, but for the price of $8 million, so you have the flexibility to sign other people, and what you're going to get from them for this year, I think it's a it's a great move for the for Rick Hahn and company. Yeah, it'll be sad to see Dane Dunning go because I do think he does have a good career in him. But um, you have to make sacrifices like that if you're going to win. Um, and so, wish Dane Dunning a good rest of his career, I guess. One guy we were not too sad to see go, who we actually traded for Dane Dunning, is now back with the White Sox. Uh, Adam Eaton making his return to right field uh, with the Chicago White Sox. He had some pretty good years here, but I think he represented an era that a lot of White Sox fans would like to forget. I don't know. I'll refresh those of you who aren't familiar with the White Sox. It's kind of a shit show. His last couple years, uh, he was fighting a lot with Todd Frazier, and it got got to the point where they had to move lockers, and it stemmed from – Adam LaRoche had his kid running around the clubhouse causing a muck, Drake LaRoche. And uh, the White Sox, a bunch of the players are like, not kind of like, they're like, what, what the hell is this? Like, why is there a kid running around? I think Jimmy Rollins is one of the guys I heard from an insider that came in here. Cause you know, he's a veteran who's been on world series teams and he's like looking around like, does anyone else see this? And like Todd Frazier was like with him, but Adam, Adam Eaton was in uh, LaRoche's corner and he called Drake LaRoche a leader in the clubhouse. And a lot of the, a lot of his teammates didn't like that. Uh, so there's a big divide in the locker room. He left, and Ozzie Gein even called him a jackass, saying that no one liked him on the White Sox. And now he's back in a Sox uniform. So an injury-prone guy, he can be productive, but he's been on the decline his past couple years. That has a history of causing some – ruffling some feathers, I should say, in the locker room. A lot of mixed emotions to this one. What, what do you think of the move? Yeah, and a lot of people in White Sox Nation are not happy about this because they want someone like George Springer um, – and the thing is, you're, you're getting uh, eaten for pretty cheap. I, it's a one-year deal with a second-year team option, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a low-cost, low-reward move. And the thing is, is people are saying, look, if you want to win, you're going to have to spend the big bucks. You can't just put a Band-Aid. And they're placed, the, the, the thinking of it is, is you're just replacing Mazzara with another Mazzara. Mazzara's floor as- was actually higher than Adam Eaton's last year. Even though it was a strange season, but yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Um, but but that's like the kind of thinking is you're not upgrading. It's just another Band-Aid on right field. Yeah. So, um, so um, also, I like the move. I always liked Adam Eaton. I caught, his fall, I caught a foul ball from him once. So that was pretty cool. Um, I like it. He's kind of like a gritty player. Like he, uh, he busted like his knee one time because he was reaching for first base when he was running down the line. Good hustle player, you know, the typical, you know, leadoff, small white guy who hustles kind of player. That I will give him. And you, you're absolutely right. He was one of, like, his first couple years here, he was one of my favorite guys just because, like, he'd be on some horrible teams and he would, he would lay it on the line. Like, you were proud of that guy representing you, and then it came out later all, like, the locker room issues. 
So, but that's all gone now. I mean, everyone from that era is gone. So, fresh start. And Howie Kendricks came from the Nationals, and he was on, uh, I believe, some White Sox podcast earlier this week saying that he was a great teammate. So, um, he had no problems with them. So, I think th- it might be a little a bit overblown, the, uh, the, what do you call, cancerous teammate thing you could say. I, but I think the Band-Aid thing is a significant concern because, like, he's joining a lineage in right field. It's Daniel Polka, Ryan Cordell, John Jay, Nomar Mazzara. So it does kind of feel like one of those cheap, like, well, I hope it works, especially if you look at his decline. Like, I don't doubt he's a good player, but if you look at the injury history, I'd be surprised if he yeah. lasts 130 games this year without, like, that would be, I would be happy if we got that many out of him. And if you're missing 30 games a season, that, that's, not, that's not good. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, and I also um, – where are you going to put him in the lineup? Are you going to have him lead off? And is he productive enough to be at that leadoff spot? I, I don't think so. He's like eight right now. I would put him eight, nine. I would have Nick Yeah, Nick. eight or nine. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. But, I mean, that's what he primarily did at, when he was with the Sox the first and if, yeah. uh, he let off for the most part. But um, his, his – pretty safely entrenched there. Yeah, his OBP, though, this past – his I mean, last year it was a tough year to judge because – you never know. And I, he was injured last year too, um, yeah. for parts of it, I think. And so his numbers weren't that good. But his decline, um, I saw a thing on um, Facebook, and it was his war like the patent. <laughs> it's just like it's just a bad stock market dive for him. So uh, definitely something to be concerned about. And I don't know why it was Adam Eaton. I don't like bring back players. Um, a lot like of times, but this one, I don't know. Yeah, it feels like a Stan Bowman Blackhawk move. Like, oh, Andrew Ladd, he used to be good for us. Let's bring him back. Yeah, it's the Brandon Saad, yeah, kind of thing. And it, it, I mean, for the Sox fans wanting George Springer, like, that wasn't going to happen. That I wasn't going to happen. But, like, they're not spending big money. And I, a lot of people are saying you have to dish out a huge contract. Like, most of these mega contracts don't work. Like, if you look at Bryce Harper, how has that turned out for him? So, I mean, look at the Los Angeles Angels. Mike Trout, yeah. How many contracts are they tied down in with Otani, Trout, um, Anthony Rendon? They didn't do do anything last year, so. I will be more okay with this move. And if they bring in a guy like Michael Brantley, which I heard they're still in on for like a DH. Yeah, as a DH. Then you have the insurance in right field. You got another good left-handed bat. Then it's like, okay, for $7 million, it's fine. But But what about, do you think about Ozuna coming? Would you rather have Brantley over Ozuna? I would rather have Brantley, but I would be fine with Ozuna. I think that's. I think Brantley's better in the field too, because Ozuna, from what I've read, and you know, I don't watch. I haven't really watched a lot of Marcelo Ozuna scouting tapes, but um, apparently he's went from a serviceable defender, and then I read that he's, you can't even play him in in defense anymore. I would so Brantley, who who can service for twenty games in right field would probably be better than Ozuna. Yeah, and I would assume Ozuna would probably be more of a DH thing. And, like, that was why I liked the Lance. This is why it was so disappointing this morning. And, like, now that I've had time to think about it, it's, like, not as bad as my first knee-jerk reaction. But the reason I like the Lynn move so much is because he was cheap. It allowed you to go out and sign another big-name guy. And so, like, when you sign, like, Adam Eaton for $7 million, it's like, oh, my God, Jerry's doing it again. He's being cheap. But, you know, if they go out and get, like, you get a Liam Hendricks in the bullpen, maybe another starter. Although people saying they need to get another starter. I disagree. I, I don't. I think you're fine. People are saying to bring back Quintana, and it's like, do you let it go? Give Kopech a chance. I really think Cease is going to have a bounce back year with Ethan Katz as the new pitching coach because he transferred Giolito. So, I think he gets his hands on Cease, who has a ton of talent. That's going to be good. Uh, 
yeah, I would rather get like yeah, a Michael Brantley, Liam Hendricks, maybe even Alex Colomay. Or if you really want to think outside the box, now you got the money to bring back uh, James McCann too, if you really want to. You can bring back that dynamic. It's not going to happen. But like, yeah, um, I could see them bringing in. It depends how they how the organization thinks of Andrew Vaughn. I think uh, some people are saying like you don't even need to sign a DH if you think if they think that Vaughn is ready for the majors. Right. Obviously, we don't know that. We're not in that discussion room. Um, that's something to think about. But I do think they bring in um, a Michael Brantley, a Marcel Ozuna. Um, and then I've heard Kyle Schwarber's name come up a few times. I do not want that. I, uh, his, again, like in 2016, it was like, oh, this guy's like an up and coming. Like he's going to be in the Cubs. Um, he's going to be a left fielder for the Cubs for a while. His defense was atrocious, but it was fine because he could hit the crap out of the ball. And now he can't do either. So yeah. um, maybe he does need to move to DH where he doesn't have to focus on fielding and all he needs to do is hit and he'll be better, but it's not a risk worth taking if you're the White Sox. Yeah, it's funny that Schwarber, because I made – I thought he was a really overrated Cub, but I think if you get him in, like, a hitter's park, like, guaranteed rate, guaranteed rate field, it wouldn't necessarily – he wouldn't be my first choice, but, like, I wouldn't be disappointed if they brought him in. It'd be a, it would be an option. But as far as Vaughn goes, I know the organization's really high on him. The only concern is he hasn't played a minor league game in like over a year. Like he hasn't played any competitive games. So like, I think right. a little bit more seasoning if you're going to, and like, I know Rick Khan likes to manipulate his service time. So even if he, they want to bring him up this year, which I think you will see him at some point this season, he's probably going to spend the first couple weeks or maybe a month or so in the minors. So like a guy like Brantley would allow you to do that and give him mm-hmm. more seasoning instead of thrusting him into like a win now mode. That's hard for a rookie. Like, Luis Robert, I think, is the most talented guy on the White Sox just with raw talent. But you put him in a situation where, like, rookie year, doesn't matter how good you are. Pitchers are going to make adjustments. And when you're contending and you need to produce, and there's pressure on you to produce, like, it's difficult. So, sometimes, you know, and take the pressure off would be good for uh, all parties involved there. Uh, moving on, we'll go to the NFL. Um, your Green Bay Packers look pretty good this week, once again. I had concerns about them not being able to stop the run, but, like, if you have a bunch of leads in games, you don't really need to stop the run. So, um, I don't know what I think about them yet. Like, because they're clearly not, like, they're clearly contender. It would be, like, ignorant to say, like, I, I use the term fraud with them a lot. They're not frauds. I just still don't see them winning, like, I don't see them it, winning it too I think it depends on the matchup that they get. Yeah. Because – you saw, I mean, last year we had uh, Seattle. And Seattle, no matter what, they're always going to give you a good game. And Russell Wilson was amazing that game. And no defense, I don't think, could have stopped them. We had a good matchup against them, and we won. Then we go to San Francisco, and we did, we never had a good matchup against them, and we got blown out. Um, but I don't think the talent difference between the Niners – I think the Niners are better than Seattle, but it wasn't to that extremity. So I think it's the matchup with the Green Bay Packers. Um, they do concern me, special teams, two missing extra points two weeks in a row, second punt return for a touchdown that we've given up, gave up a fourth and 18 for a touchdown. It's just it's just the little things. It's jumping offside. Against the Colts, we jumped offsides like three times. It's just the little things with this team that frustrates me, and we let them back in the game. It was, yeah, that could uh, not have been as close as it was. Yeah, we were up 20 points at one point, um, and then it ended up being a seven-point lead, um, and then Aaron Jones ran for a 70-yard touchdown. But 
we were playing the Eagles. You can't play, you can't, you know, have two bad minutes where you give up points like that against good teams because it'll make you pay. Luckily, we played the Eagles and it didn't really bite us. Right. I see this kind of being as like a repeat of last year. You get a good matchup, you win a playoff game. I, the Saints look good to me right now. I, I honestly think the Saints overall have the best roster in the NFL. Their big thing is like with Taysom Hill, they can't really throw it deep downfield, but Drew Brees is probably going to be coming back pretty soon. That's the team I like the best coming out of the NFC. And I'm still really high on the Rams. I thought that was a good win for them against the Cardinals. That was one of the teams I uh, put money on this week. I, I think that's a really good defense. And when Jared Goff's comfortable, like you saw last week, he can make you pay. And they're, they're a well-coached team too. So those would be – those are two teams I really like in the uh, – the NFC. The rest of it's kind of like, I don't know. It's it's kind of a cluster. Uh, kind of a cluster. I, I just want to make this point, too. Two points, actually. One, we talked about Rookie of the Year. Totally forgot to mention Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Totally forgot to mention him. And then I saw it. I was like, how did I forget? He, I mean, I don't know. I mean, did you see his, like, stats? I mean, it was against Jacksonville, but holy shit. And that guy's putting up numbers. And, yeah. and then, two, um, this new playoff format sucks. The, the seventh team is going to be uh, the Vikings or the Cardinals. And they do not – neither of those teams deserve to be in the playoffs. Uh, NFL is turning into the NBA where any team makes the playoffs now. Um, and I don't like it. And I'm upset about it. So we'll go to that. We'll talk about that because that's going to be an interesting run. I agree. Both of those teams aren't really playoff caliber. The Cardinals feel like a year away to me. The Vikings look dead in the water. Do, who, who do you like between those two? And I, I, I agree with you. Justin Jefferson, I think, side note, he might be a top 10 receiver already in the NFL. I think they did really well yeah. in that trade just because you, you got two first round or first round pick for Diggs. And now Diggs has been good, but Justin Jefferson's been a phenomenal replacement uh, over there with Minnesota. I do like him as well. But anyway, yeah, back to the question. Uh, who do you like between the, who, who do you think's getting that last spot? Well, I'm taking uh, the hot team. I'm taking Minnesota. Um, they don't have to play the Packers anymore. Um, I think they have the Bears one more time. Um, so I think they'll win that. I think they have to play Detroit one more time. Um, and then Arizona has been really cold lately. Um, and so I think I'm going to, um, take the team with more momentum and a team that was one in five and everyone was saying, man, this team's really bad. Mike Zimmer is probably going to be gone by the end of the year. If they don't make the playoffs, I think he still is gone. But, um, yeah, now there's in a playoff spot at six and six. So, um, a great turnaround for them. They're the hot team. They know what to do to win. It's, that's to give the ball to Dalvin Cook. Um, and he can ride them all the way to the playoffs. So, good for them. They do have a game against the Bucks coming up. And I would think at this point of the year, you might have to win out. It's pretty, it's pretty tight. So, uh, who else is with them there? I mean, the Bears, I don't, the Bears are done. Um, that's a team that does not look – yeah, honestly, it really is a two-team race. It's the Cardinals and the it's the Cardinals and the Vikings. Is, the Vikings do have the Bucks and the Saints. That's gonna be tough. Yeah, um, I'd have to see who the Cardinals have. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. Um, yeah, the rest of that. See, the rest of the, the NFC East is very t- or, uh, not the East. And I, so the yeah. Cardinals have the Rams, the Giants, who are hot. They're playing the Giants next week. Giants are winners four in a row, I think. Um, so they're playing a hot team. Um, and then they have the Eagles, Jalen Hurts. Um, he's going to be the starter next week. Um, and then they have 49ers, who I think are done too. So we'll see. It's going to be a fun race. I've decided, I've made up my mind just now. You talked me into it. 
Vikings are probably going to make the playoffs. I think that I think they're making it. I because that's a tough, the Giants. I really like, and I said this a couple of weeks ago. They're they're winning that division, and they are well coached. The fact that they went into Seattle with Colt McCoy and pushed them around that whole game was impressive. Yeah. And just think if they had Saquon Barkley back right now, where they would be at. Like they're missing their best running back. So you go in there without your starting running back, without your starting quarterback, beat a really good Seattle team who has uh, MVP candidate and Russell Wilson. That was an impressive win. Like, that's a team that could win. I don't know if they will, but that, that's a team that could win a playoff game. Uh, you you do think they could win a playoff game? Because that was going to be my question. They're yeah. going to make the playoffs. If they do make the playoffs, can they win? Yeah, I think their defense is good Because they'll have to play, like, t- a Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay they could beat. Absolutely. They already took them to the right. Thursday night game. I think they could. They'll they have to play Seattle or Tampa Bay. Seattle. Well, or the Rams, whoever wins the West. They're, I don't think they're beating the Rams. They already lost to him once this year. I think the Rams would be able to match the physical. Well, I think, yeah. I think they could. I think, depending on the matchup, I think they could. There's a couple teams in here that I could see them beating. Washington's another team, though, that made it interesting. They had a big win against Pittsburgh. Everyone's calling that a big major upset. I'll be honest. I think. It's a long Washington, time coming. Washington's better than that record says. And, like, Pittsburgh's, quite frankly, not. Like, we, we knew they were not a good team. I think the Bills are better than them right now i think the packers would beat them i think the like they're like the seventh best team in the nfl right now seventh or eighth like realistically they, they well, don't really if you if you look at their wins they're not impressive they don't have that many impressive wins they remind me a lot of the patriots last year when they started nine and oh and everyone's oh yeah. like this could be like brady's last you know hurrah and then you look you know they haven't really beat anyone good then they lose a couple down the stretch they're playing down to competition and then boom they're out in the divisional round I could see that happening. Oh, no, they lost in the wild card round. Excuse me. Um, I could see a similar situation happening with Pittsburgh. Maybe that's an overreaction, but the way they played, oh. like, this entire season, I think, kind of backs that up. 14 to nothing. Washington could not get anything going. Like, it was 14 to three and a half. So, even then, you should still win the game. And the fact that Ben Roethlisberger, with that lead, he threw the ball 53 times yesterday. That's a problem, and it's a common theme I keep saying, but if you can't run the ball, you're not going to win many playoff games. So that's where, I, that's where it's a little concerning. The defense is pretty good. I do like him defensively, and I, I like Ben Roethlisberger. I just like, I don't know what it is. The offense doesn't look in sync these past couple weeks. They played down to their competition way too much, and they can't run the ball. So there's too many red flags there for me to be like, yes, I, I trust this team in the playoffs. I think the Chiefs just yeah. showed that's another one team I really like. They, they, that game against the Broncos, they looked horrible. They had a touchdown that they scored that they didn't even count because I don't know how that happened. I don't know if you saw it. Tyreek Hill caught a pass, didn't know he caught it apparently, and didn't count. And they, they still won that game uh, by six when they didn't play all that well. So that, that to me is a front runner. I, I, I like the Chiefs uh, Saints in the Super Bowl right now. but I'm sticking with the Seahawks. You're still sticking with Seattle, huh? I, Seattle's making improvements. They're, they're interesting, I, but I, I don't know. I think a team needs a tough loss like they just had in order to kind of assess of where they are and then just move forward. And they could, you know, they could catch fire. Russell Wilson could catch fire and no one could stop them. You never know. A lot of times in these playoffs, it's usually the team with the hot hand that makes the run, makes one big upset. And then once you get to the big game, it's anyone's game at that point. Um, So I do like the Saints too, but I – I just don't know if they can win a big game. I mean, they played Green Bay, couldn't beat them at home. 
Um, they've, had a, they've had some impressive wins, though, this year. It's not like they're playing a bunch of scrubs. Like, they dismantled Tampa Bay. They beat Tom Brady twice. That's pretty – I think Tampa Bay's got a lot of issues. I'll say that. Yeah, that, that team – I. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think they're contenders anymore. But again, they could catch hot. You never know. Yeah, the Seattle game was kind of against the Giants. It's kind of a perfect storm of how to like because they they're coming off. I think it was an emotional. Uh, they came off a division win the week before from not mm-hmm. on the Thursday night game. You're facing a backup quarterback at home. It was kind of like you know they came. They looked a little flat that whole time. I'm not taking anything away from, but like that was a perfect up recipe for an upset. So like. One loss in the NFL like that, I'm not going to be like, oh, the Seahawks aren't contenders anymore. That told me more about the Giants than it did Seattle. One team I did like a lot. This team showed me something this week. This is another team I bet on because Bill Belichick was facing a rookie. Uh, the New England Patriots, they are two wins away. Like, they're a fumble and a goal line stand away from having eight wins this year. Like, I think they're in the thick. They're not dead yet. That's a play. We had them winning, I think – I had them winning seven games or six games. Yeah. We both had them uh, like, like six and ten, seven and nine. Yeah. Um, and I think that just shows Bill Belichick's coaching genius to a certain extent is, you know, he knows what his team can do and what they can't do, and they can't do a lot. So you focus on what you can do. If you look at what they're making Cam Newton do, they're not making them do a whole lot, but they're going to grind out wins, and they're not going to be pretty. And none of their wins have been really pretty wins. But they're winning games, and they're still in the ch- chase. Yeah. So. I mean, they beat, they beat them 45 to nothing in the NFL. Like, it's not Alabama versus the Sisters of the Poor here. Yeah. Justin Herbert, people saying, like, potentially. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, this last week, yeah, I guess 45 to nothing was pretty – I'm talking about the other. Oh, yeah. And I, it wasn't like, even that game, though, that that 45 nothing win was not flashy. Like, but like, they just controlled the pace of the game. They did it all on special teams. Anthony Lynn needs to be fired after that one, I think. Yeah. I think, I think this kind of, this last stretch where like you lose a couple tough games, it's tough. And then you just never win and kind of never get back to that form. He's done after this year. They had five different occasions where they didn't have the right number of people on the field for special teams. And they gave up a punt return, a pump block for a touchdown. That was just a mess. One last team from that division I'd like to get into. And I'd like to hear your thoughts. Speaking of coach that need to get fired, the New York Jets, uh, kind of a gut-wrenching loss. It looked like Sam Darnold was going to lead them to their first win. And I know you and I, we both like Sammy. Uh, but uh, Henry Ruggs beat Lamar Jackson. Former Nebraska, Side note, former, I, I was very devastated by this because Lamar Jackson went to Nebraska. Uh, he's one of my brother's favorite players. I know for his birthday, I got him, like, he, Lamar Jackson gave him, like, a cameo shout-out or whatever. So, I was a big Lamar Jackson fan. He's in the Jets practice squad, got promoted a couple weeks ago. And then he gets torched by Henry Ruggs. And one of the worst defensive schemes I've ever seen, Greg Williams brings the house on with, like, 10 seconds left in the game at midfield. Do you think that was intentional? There's people saying, like, hey, one of their fastest receivers up against the guy that's had a 4-7 combine. And they're trying to tank. The Jags almost were winning. Like, they were in the overtime game. Like, that was almost inexcusable. Why they would do press coverage and bring seven guys blitzing. You know, Greg Williams is known for an attacking defense. So, I could see that. And kind of like the philosophy of that is, is they can't have a big play if they only have two seconds to throw the ball. But at the same time, you're the New York Jets, and you don't have the talent on the field to, to do that sort of thing. So you can't play to have, like, the big sack and then everyone on the defense runs down and does the camera thing. 
you're just trying to win. You're not. So, and then you have uh, uh, Henry Ruggs, who's one of the fastest receivers in this draft class. And probably, a, I think he ran like a 4-2 in the combine, 4-3, something like that. He's fast. And he just burns them by. Um, so Greg Williams got fired. They're idiots for doing this. I don't think it was uh, intentional, though, surprisingly. Yeah, it smelled fishy, but I don't think – I agree with you. I don't think my, – my thing is, too, with the, everyone is always like, oh, the Jets are tanking. It's like they kind of are, but, like, no player is going out there wanting to put bad – like, take Lamar Jackson, for example. Like, if you intentionally tank a play, and the next year when they cut you and you're trying to get a job in the NFL and that's on your tape, like, that's not going right. to – if these guys aren't going to go out there and, like, half-ass it, like, on purpose. So, I don't, I don't buy that. I just think that was some – it was a baffling decision, to say the least. Raiders was – they didn't deserve to win that game. We'll, we'll, we'll just no. leave it at that. I, and I think, I think their playoff hopes are going worse and worse. Yeah, yeah I, I like agree. the Patriots' chances over the, uh, the Raiders at this point in the season. But, yeah, we'll be, still some games left. We will see uh, how it goes. Uh, any other big sports news report? Anything you got in your – oh, Champions League was going on today. I, Messi beat Ronaldo – or Ronaldo beat Messi. Yeah, um, and that, that makes Ronaldo the highest goal scorer against Barcelona ever. So that's pretty cool. Um, I saw a lot of things because, you know, uh, Ronaldo used to play in Spain. Now he's in Italy. And they said Messi's back to being the number two player in Spain, which I thought was pretty funny. So, yeah, Ronaldo showed he could still do it, scored a brace. Um, Barcelona are a team that is – um, not is going through a big rebuilding phase, and it's tough when you're a big club like that. So, um, and especially to lose that much to someone who's kind of your rival just because of the Messi-Ronaldo thing is tough. And you also saw PSG walk off the field against a Turkish club whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce because – or no, it was – I think, yeah, PSG did walk um, off, and it was because – coach got ejected and then there was an alleged racial slur used by the referee the fourth official the guy with the board um maybe he just wanted to be in the news because no one really cares about the fourth official but nonetheless that game will resume tomorrow that's interesting well i was actually gonna i had no idea it was psg but the few soccer games i have watched this year i i was gonna ask you next well who your favorite was to win i kind of like psg I don't know. That roster's pretty stacked. Like Mbappe and uh, um, Neymar. Neymar Jr. I, that's a, I, I like that team. That, that's, that's my, I'm sure they're the front runners because they're pretty stacked, so it's not like an outrageously hot take in my very limited soccer knowledge. But I think they beat Man United last Man week. Man United uh, got eliminated today and will be playing in the Europa League. Who lost though? Okay, they beat someone three to one. It was uh maybe it was Man City. No, no, uh, they beat United because they the, they just ended the group stage. This is the end of the group stages. I've been United, yeah, but it was a it was a uh, pretty impressive victory. I liked uh, very impressive indeed. I uh I like Man City. I like Liverpool. I think I think two English teams. Um, you know they're gonna battle it out. Liverpool's been hampered with injuries, but they've played through it so far. Man City always going to try to push hard for the Champions League. They're top um, of the table right now, aren't they? Or uh, Spurs is by goal difference. Liverpool and Spurs are tied on points, but because of goal difference, Spurs is top technically. 
Um, Spurs, too, a great team, uh, a team that's been managed by Jose Mourinho, showing his genius, showing a not very talented team, um, just plays to do the small things right. They're doing it, and they're winning. So um, they, of course, are not in the Champions League this year, so they can solely focus on not having a midweek game, which is nice sometimes, especially if you're trying to make a push in the league. It's nice not having that distraction. So, Props to the gaffer there. Um, yeah. I, I'll spare the people for my very limited soccer knowledge. All I know is Fulham cost me money a couple weeks ago because they lost to Leicester City. Since then, I've cooled off on the soccer watching. But, uh, yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. I put a large sum on Leicester to win. I got a bad tip. Fulham pulled it off. I was told their defense was trash. Anyway, we will let this dribble end here. We will also, I would like to mention to the viewers, um, it is official. I will be attending the July 4th NASCAR race at Road America. Um, hit me up on Twitter, Cushman underscore Pat. Um, DM me um, if you want to meet up. It's going to be a fun time. I'm going with a lot of my friends. We're camping. Um, but yeah, NASCAR season, Daytona 500 is 69 days away. So that's super nice. Um, I'm excited. So DM me, Cushman underscore Pat on Twitter. There you go. All you rednecks watching NASCAR, hit up our boy Patrick Cushman. That's all we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week.